Hey everyone, and welcome to episode three of Rust Belt Startup. I appreciate you guys sticking with me. I'm actually in New York City right now. I was here uh, in Manhattan for a conference on podcasting and marketing for Alexa, Google Voice, all that stuff. So uh, the conference was called VoiceCon, and uh, I learned a ton today. It's it's, uh, it's about to make my head explode. I'm actually recording this intro from a marginally okay hotel room uh, near Penn Station uh, in Manhattan after a long day of the conference, and I realized I got to get the pod out tomorrow. So, uh, so wanted to do the the intro tonight. You know, one of the focuses of the conference today was just how um, how much of an impact voice is going to have on the way that we interact with the internet or uh, uh, interact with our devices at large. And, and the general consensus is that it's going to change everything, which actually is a, a pretty good segue into today's interview. It's about changing everything. My guest today is Rick Glue, and Rick is someone who I've gotten to know over the last few months uh, as someone who has really gotten a handle on understanding what makes him tick and developing methodologies to make big transformation in his life, whether that's um, kind of going from someone who was not very active to running ultra marathons uh, to someone uh, from someone who was not very healthy to going to a primarily plant-based diet, uh, and someone who, who really is fascinated around building systems to build habits and keep them. In this episode, we talk a lot about this idea of maximizing minimums. How do you use the minimally effective dose to, uh, over time, make big changes? Uh, there's a lot of folks that are also um, interested in getting a coach or a mentor, and, and I'm one of those folks, but I'm also kind of suspicious about that whole space. And And we talk a lot about what makes a good mentor, how do you find one, and, and what can you expect out of um, that kind of a relationship. So this isn't really a, a business-centric episode, but the thing that I like about this is Rick really gets into some of the, the tools and methods that he's used in his own life to um, make big changes. And so if you're thinking about, you know, how, how am I going to get back into shape? How am I going to eat better? Um, how am I going to set some goals, whether that's uh, a career or life goals, and, and then attain them? There may be some stuff in here for you. He's got one foot in tech, he's got one foot in wellness, and uh, I really hope that you enjoy this conversation with Rick, Rick McGlue. Thank you for taking the time to, uh, to chat today. You're, you're one of the, 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 pioneer, the pioneer guests here, so we'll see, we'll see we how go. it goes. So, and Dropping. you're working on a podcast of your own right now, right? Trying, yeah. How's it going so far? Pretty good, pretty good. It's way more work than I thought. Um, yes. Yeah. I thought it was going to be an easy way out of blogging. I was like, writing's hard. <laughs> and then I yeah. was like, holy crap. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought we'd just sit down and talk and then all of a sudden things would be easy, but well, it's a function of a lot of times you're only as good as your guest, right? I mean, to, yeah. to a point, or I don't know if you have a background in interviewing. I certainly don't. So right. Yeah. Trying to guide those, those folks through. So even just booking is a pain. That's been the hardest part so far <laughs> it's for like, me. You know? it's, that might take a week and a half, two weeks just to lock people in. Yep. So yeah, it does. Um, it does. That's a great learning experience though. Agreed. Agreed. So one of the reasons, you know, we got to know each other a little bit um, at, at Think and um, uh, the, the accelerator and, and incubator that I, I do some work at. And I was just really fascinated by your story. Well, you came up beforehand because you had applied for TED, right? right? And um, I just thought you had a very interesting story. And the more we've gotten to kind of just jam on stuff, I'm like, man, Glue would be a great, great guy <laughs> to talk to. So, well, I appreciate it. Um, so can we just start a little bit uh, about your story you know you're from you're from the upstate area um but you work in a very high-tech field can you just give us the the quick glue bio yeah i don't know i struggle with quick but oh, don't um, worry about it we'll, we'll <laughs> edit it we'll fix it in post yeah um yeah so grew up central new york um kind of a, a wild kid of the woods that uh you know always struggled with structure in school and kind of sitting still um <clears throat> you know I didn't really know what the hell I wanted to do out of high school. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going in the military or going to pump gas. And mm -hmm. <laughs> my mom was like, maybe we should look at computers because you seem to like that. So, um, and I was horrible academically within high school just because I mm -hmm. couldn't sit still and stay out of the principal's office. Okay. I mean, the vice principal and I were, you know, 
were chums or <laughs> first name by the basis. end of your tenure yeah so, or his uh, tenure, tenure. <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah i got into computer science um suny poly so all local mm-hmm. school uh um <clears throat> came through bachelor's degree didn't know what the hell to do so just kept going to school oh so you you, you stayed you got a, a master's or yeah i got a master's degree at suny poly okay and uh in my first semester in the master's degree, I met a kid whose aunt was human resources at a technical company over in Rome. Okay. And just, you know, when he was out for a smoke break, we were just shooting the shit. And mm-hmm. He's like, oh, give me a resume. I'll get you in. And just and that's what happened. chance. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of interesting. And I dreamed of working over there, but I had no idea how to get in. And kind of this kid passing out next to me in statistics class <laughs> made the connection. So um, those those little brushes in life are... Do you feel like would awesome. you consider yourself a developer? Do you have that depth of, of knowledge? Like, was it a CS degree that you went to? Computer <clears throat> yeah, science? Yeah, it, it was computer science, and uh, I was a developer for, you know, I, yeah, I was cutting code definitely for the first five, six years of my career. Um, so, built a lot of really cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, been able to help law enforcement and our uh, our military and stuff like that. And you've been with the same company your whole career, basically? You're, are you, yeah. you're a company man? Well, so my first internship was about two years prior to this company. Okay. So I had an internship with a small company called Cole Innovations. Okay. And uh, we were doing a wireless intrusion detection system prior to many people having Wi-Fi in their house. So mm. this is probably like 2002, 2003. Uh, nobody had password protection on their access yeah, points, yeah. all that crap. So Wi-Fi was just coming out. And we're building this this detector to figure out if weird stuff was popping into your environment. Interesting. And then I crossed over to AIS, where I currently am, uh, in about 05. So, I can yeah. remember just driving around, and if you needed Wi-Fi, <laughs> yeah. you could, someone was yeah. un, unprotected. And, and I, I remember being, man, I don't know what city I was in, but like, then... You know, people automatically, when you could share a printer, they would share a printer. And, like, people could just, like, print all sorts of, like, terrible things, you know? Yeah. And, like, can you imagine coming home and all of these things would be off of your printer? So I'm glad people finally started locking things down, man. Yeah, um, and that was kind of one of the, the early interesting projects was law enforcement was dealing with issues where they would trace really bad activity to, like, grandma's house. Really? You know, like, yeah, things that would cause law enforcement to come. Yeah knocking on grandma's house. Grandma's like, oh, I'm just, you know, whatever. I'm yeah. looking at the MySpace or whatever we were doing at the time. Yeah. And so they asked us, they're like, what the heck do we do? Like, how do we, by the time we get there, they're gone, mm-hmm. you know? And um, Was it literally someone sitting outside the window yeah. on a laptop? Yeah. yeah, yeah, pulling up and connecting to open Wi-Fi, doing whatever and getting wow. on with it. So, yeah, um, we actually ended up building something that's uh, almost like a metal detector for Wi-Fi. So, you know, can we physically locate a wireless transmitter and put it in a building and say, like, okay, here's not Grandma's laptop, and it's across the street. Wow. And uh, so I'm, I'm really proud to say that we got a patent and all the fancy business stuff on mm-hmm. that, and I've never seen any royalties, <laughs> which I'm perfectly cool yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. But it has been used in multiple child abuse cases. Um and actually gotten people off the street that were doing horrific stuff so uh that was kind of an you know an early sort of like oh wow like what i'm doing has impact and like you know this this undisciplined wanderer kind of (laughs) provided some contribution to society finally very cool so speaking of that growth and progression let's let's jump into what what i think is is just a really interesting story um when we first met you were kind of talking about that you were um you made it abundantly clear that you are not the same person that was sitting here at the table uh, today. And and uh, can you can you just start at the, I don't, not the beginning, but like <clears throat> bef- before the crash. <laughs> yeah, guess, yeah. Right? So I'll, I'll probably piece it together and jump around a sure, little bit. Sure. But I bring up the school stuff and a lot of the trouble and you know the the, the challenge I had there because now people get to know me and they they haven't known me as that Mm -hmm. person or that part of my life and they're like oh you're so disciplined you're so disciplined it's like man you have no clue how undisciplined Mm -hmm. I am like nobody like I can't even I took some quiz recently um and it it tells uh how you respond to expectations whether internal or external Gretchen Rubin it's uh, some quiz I don't know if you google her but and it basically says like there's different varieties so do I respond well to internal expectation external expectation 
both, mm-hmm. neither. So mm-hmm. it turns out I was neither. I was the rebel category. Hmm. Um, I don't respond to external expectations and I don't respond to internal expectations. So I can tell myself I'm going to do something and Doesn't I'm like, screw you. Yeah. Like I'm not like I rebel yeah. against myself. So it's been really interesting to like look back and be like, huh? Yeah, I can see that. Like I'm going to be healthy this week. And then right. just Friday comes around. It's like, wow. Yeah, that totally fell apart. So I bring all that up because I don't, I don't know the, you know, there is a lack of discipline, but so going back a little bit, yeah, I used to be about 250 pounds, drank a lot of beer, ate a lot of chicken wings. Um, I drank well, very strongly for about three days and it's, it wasn't a dark situation at all. It was very happy. It was, you know, a concert and then a friend party and then people in town or a holiday thing. And, but it was just back to back, very strong consumption of alcohol. And, uh, you know, it just led to a massive hangover of this same magnitude, you know, three day hangover. And, um, I was just like, man, everything's got to change. This isn't serving me, uh, you know, four or five, six hours in the local, uh, establishment every weekend is, is not a good use of my time. And I don't know where that came from. Maybe it was just so many damn hours spent doing it. I'm like, there's got to be something else here. So uh, you had a moment of clarity, basically. Yeah, I think it was a moment of pain, you a know, like pain, that yeah. friggin hangover was just yeah. like it kicked the crap out of me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Sunday you were used to this. What was different about this one than other ones? Oh, it just hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. It was so deep. Um, you know, I was I was down harder than ever. It, it was definitely uh, one for the record books for me personally. I was like, okay, what's next? Like, <laughs> I've, I've seen a majority of this road, and I think I'm done here. So, <clears throat> kind of made the decision. I was like, this is done. Um, my girlfriend had been running quite a bit over the years, you know, while I was drinking and, you know, triathlons. And I'm like, okay, I'm, <clears throat> you know, not one to shy away from diving in. I'm like, I'm gonna do this 50 mile hike through the Hudson Valley or whatever, because. Uh, Kennedy at one point said all Americans, John F. Kennedy, the former president, right? He had said all Americans should be able to go 50 miles by foot. Hmm. And uh, he he made some bet with somebody at a dinner that he could, and he, like, walked 50 miles in his loafers, <laughs> like, in the snow and wow. crap. Yeah, so they, they started this uh, charity run, walk thing down in the Hudson. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. And my girlfriend's like, well, what's the date? And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And She's like, that's the same day as my marathon. Like, don't you think maybe you come to the marathon with me since you've never come to any of my events? <laughs> and I'm like, damn it. I'm like, okay, yep, let's do that. So I signed up for the marathon. So no uh, couch to 5K, it was couch to uh, marathon. Yeah, okay, so we glossed over a little bit there. I'd been doing a few, like, bets with a buddy on um, obstacle course racing. Okay. So, like, the Warrior uh, Dash yeah, type Warrior stuff. Dash. Yeah, um, so I've been doing that for maybe two, three years, and that was mostly just you know, to go climb on obstacles. Mm-hmm. But again, I was probably still 230, 240 at that point. So kind of a bigger dude uh, running up, trying to run up and down hills. So I had had, <clears throat> maybe I'd had a little bit of a dose of endorphin. and um, But it was weird then because I was afraid of being seen running. So I would only run at night and, you know, a couple miles a week. And then I had done a 10 miler uh, the October before. That's no joke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're two, <clears throat> over 200 pounds, haven't run a lot and you're doing a 10 miler, that's yeah. no joke. And the, the 10-miler was actually at Disney. It was the, the Disney Twilight of Terror 10-miler. And this, again, is before the final hangover. And uh, I, I partied before getting on the plane, you know, that night before. And I swear to God, I thought I was going to black out on the plane. Like, everything went gray. And I was like, they're going to have to, like, land this plane because I hit the deck. Like, and I, I just took some breaths. And I'm like, okay. And then as soon as I got there, like, I started eating salad, like, the mm-hmm. Saturday yeah, before the yeah. run. I'm like, I'm going to get healthy real quick. But um, that that run was at 10 p.m. The Twilight Tower. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and uh, it was fun. We kind of goofed around, but the last like three quarters of a mile, it was everything you would expect of Disney, like lights and yelling and music, mm-hmm. and I just started running really fast. And to this day, you know, that's a highlight experience of like there was something else in me that like it just lit up like Fourth of July fireworks, and I, I just felt invincible and. Uh, so that was kind of a seed planted, although, you know... You didn't know it at the time. I, I probably peed on it after yeah, and killed yeah. it, but yeah, it's been on ever since. So that was uh, at a five-year anniversary, December of 2017, of no drinking, healthy eating. Um, so which, back so back up a second. So you wake up, 
on day three or four or whatever. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you, ju- and you said, not only am I going to sign up for a marathon, but it sounds like there was also a decision of like done drinking, done. I mean, like, yeah, the, the, what was that decision? Drinking was absolutely out. Um, and I don't know. I was just like, what do they call it? Condition diversion. So it was like that pain was so bad. I'm just like, I can't deal with that anymore. I'm so done. And, um, I had had some brushes with like vegetarianism and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a couple goes at that, but you know, typically it fell back into Mm -hmm. whatever unhealthy way of eating. And so I had a friend whose girlfriend at the time was vegan and I'm, you know, I'm like, Natalie, I'm like, how about you, uh, make me lunches for the next couple of months. I want to try to eat, you know, a little bit more plant-based. And so she made me lunches because I was really kind of uh, overwhelmed by having to do the research of like, sure. what do I have to do and all that stuff. So she made me lunches for like three months. I'm like, wait, this is it? Like, this is all I have to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like a, a chickpea salad sandwich, some carrot sticks and an apple. And, mm-hmm. you know, and like she would make them. I think she intentionally made it be a lot of food, like so volume wise. So, yeah, I felt yeah. great. And after like three months, I'm like holy crap, like I can do this. Like, mm-hmm. like this isn't a big deal. There's nothing special here. Um, you know, humans have ex- been existing on sure, <laughs> whatever sure. forever. Um, so yeah. And it was kind of on from there and, uh, it, it hasn't stopped. And I'm, it's, uh, probably one of the, you know, besides my girlfriend, of course, probably one of the best things to ever happen in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was really interesting how it shifted like happiness so, uh, you, let, let's take these things one at a time here. So, <laughs> yeah. so you started marathon training with your girlfriend at mm-hmm. the time, right? And you, and you decided you're going to do, um, the marathon. And then was it, did you basically just jump into her training regiment or, or did you do some research and, and kind of reverse engineer, you know how there's a lot of, we know we have to do 26 miles. So I, I had done one marathon, maybe five, six years ago. I don't think I'll ever do another one. Uh, <laughs> right. It broke me. I, I had one of those moments of clarity at mile 19. And, sure. I, and it was like, don't do this again. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, there was, a, there was a system to it, right? Like we, we trained up to, you know, tw- I think we trained up to like 23 miles, right? Sure. And started going back down. Did you have a system or did you just jump right in with your girlfriend and said, I'm, this is what I'm going to do to do a marathon? Yeah, no, she, she dropped a, a training schedule on me, a beginner's marathon training mm-hmm. schedule, um, from a old timer, Hal Higdon, it's online. Um, and I just followed it and I guess I wasn't a rebel for those 18 weeks cause I nailed it like 90%. So what was the reinforce? That's the question that I've got. You, you just got done saying, well, you're, you have trouble sticking to expectations, but now all of a sudden you're just like, I'm just going to follow the plan. I have no clue. Okay. I have absolutely no idea how it happened. Um, you know, maybe I was rebelling against that former self. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't sure. know. There's, it's kind of meta. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I'm not going back to okay. that. And, um, you know, this is the new way of doing things. Uh, and even, you know, early on in that sobriety, I would be driving home on like a Friday night and be getting excited because for 10 years when I would drive home on a Friday night, we'd be going to drink or whatever. So yeah, my girlfriend and I would just go out for hikes like in the middle of, you know, not the middle of night, but Mm -hmm. like seven, eight o'clock, it's dark in the winter. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that, that schedule is just, yeah, I think I was probably 90% compliant besides maybe a little bit of travel or Mm -hmm. sick time. Uh, and yeah, it was tough. Like it was definitely tough. And after going through some of the, a bunch of these training programs and multiple times for the non-competitive athlete, like myself, uh, the race is almost like the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's like getting through 18 weeks of training is, uh, that's the, the race good. is almost the reward. Exactly. And you, you know, you mentioned mile 19 for the marathon, 19 to 22 seems to be where People 98% of humans yeah. <laughs> break. But it's a phenomenal experience to like just be for me in in the worst pain of my life, having never really suffered any true pain or bone breaks right. and have to face another hour of it. Like <laughs> and then come back to real life and be like, Okay, this traffic isn't too bad or you know, right. this issue at work, you know, I've 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 felt some pain and you know, it's not a big deal. But there is it's you know, I remember that I had I, a ton of confidence to mile 19 and yeah. I was on a great pace. I think I was running like, an, like an eight forty five pace, you know, up to mile 19. And then my body, it literally, it just stopped. Right. It, it wasn't like, 
things are starting to get a little weird. It just stopped. Yeah. And uh, I had never had um, um, seizures before, <laughs> like like a leg seizure. Right. And both, like it was like flicking oh, a yeah. light switch. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, my body isn't doing what my brain is telling it to do <laughs> anymore. It was a very scary moment. And then, yes, to know that, okay, do you give up or yeah. do you have, I've got another hour of this. Right. Of just, you know, it's, it's a... I don't even like to think about it now. It was a <laughs> terrible experience. But, you know, in, in the parking lot, I remember when we were getting ready and kind of getting bundled up, um, we met a gentleman who had to be in his 50s. And he was telling us he was an, he was an ultra guy. I didn't even know what an ultra right. was at the time. Like, What's an ultra marathon? And he was telling us about, you know, these, these 50 milers that he was doing. <laughs> I said, you got to be – like, how is this, is this physically possible for someone to, to do this? But I guess, you know – you you decide right you decide yeah. you're gonna do it yeah so. I okay yeah two things there you make me think of um one that I recently learned was for racers the marathon race starts at 20 yeah right so you get right. to 20 and then you race the last 10k yeah. for a racer for competitive people so yeah it's interesting that it's like okay build out to 20 and then um then figure you know, it out. Yeah. yeah then you, then it's on <clears throat> another interesting take on the the marathon is that you kind of experience, and this is from a friend, you kind of experience a majority of the emotions of life. And he, he's only 20-something, but he still had kind of this clarity. He's like, you know, in the early first three, five miles, you're all exuberant and happy and pumped up. And yeah. you think, I'm going to totally crush this life, quote-unquote. And then, you know, mile 13, you're like halfway through. <laughs> and you're like, oh, uh, this is real. Yep. And then, you know, 20, whatever, you're like, holy crap, this is really hard. And then <laughs> you die into 26. Mm-hmm. But um, then you finish. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you finish and it, it, it's amazing. So, yeah, it, it's interesting to to see what you turn into when things get really hard. Like, it's, it's easy to stand on success and be like, "I'm amazing," but then have you have you had the lose, opposite like, happen? Right? Because what you you just tell me about is situations where you know you said it's interesting to to see what you turn into when things get hard, and, and you're going, "Oh, and I pushed through," but yeah. You know, I can think of situations where things have gotten hard and I've just gone, screw this. Like, do you, does that still happen to you or is your default to be, to push through? Uh, it's a good question. I haven't thought about that. And I've probably squashed any memories where I gave up. But that's also <laughs> a, tool, a tool and a tactic, right? Like, yeah. that's, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, right? Like, it's you're, you're blocking I that out and pushing it, pushing it forward. Definitely from a physical, like, endurance sport perspective, I haven't done anything that I think has pushed me that far. Um, Life is maybe a different story. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, recently I went through a little burnout career-wise, and um, I definitely drafted the resignation letter multiple times and kind of stuck it out. And a lot of these challenges, it's it's temporary, right? It's it's hard to say that we're ever in a, a static state for... Um, forever, even, you know, mentally feelings mm-hmm. change. You might wake up crappy, but you end the day feeling great or wake up great mm-hmm. and end the day feeling yeah. a little rough. Um, so it's just kind of like sitting with it and being with it and being like, okay, this should shift. So you're doing marathons, ultras, um, and I'm assuming at this point, are you plant-based diet yes. primarily? Yes. So you stuck with that yep. and I'm assuming you're seeing a pretty radical transformation in your body yeah can you talk about what what that was what that was like and 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 yeah did that just was that gas on the fire did that reinforce everything yeah so one thing people often report when they go plant-based is how much energy and how great they feel this is usually in the first like two three weeks month month and a half couple months um i've started to wonder if it's because uh I was sleeping better. I think because my digestive system wasn't having to break down kind of tougher foods. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a a piece of meat is going to take more energy just, you know, by nature, just feel it. You're going to even rip it apart. So your body has to break that down. So I think, you know, you start to get more sleep. You're you're wasting less energy on digesting food. So, yeah, I started to get like almost a caffeinated feeling from like, you know, getting these highs. And I'm just like, what the hell? Um, weight came off pretty quickly. I do remember the 200 pound mark for like three weeks and it drove me nuts. Cause it'd be like, you know, 200, 203, 198, 203. And I'm just like, yeah. damn it. And, um, I probably wasn't as rigorous as 
you know, I, I could have been, but that 200 was just amazing to finally get away from. Um, but yeah, that all dropped pretty quick. Uh, running felt good. Recovery is phenomenal. Um, you know, eating a lot of greens and a lot of plants, like I recover pretty well. Uh, and it's, I, I really think it has a lot to do with sort of antioxidants and lots of minerals and vitamins uh, of a plant-based diet. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. Um, it's, it's really been mind blowing. You know, there, there was one time where, uh, recently, probably four and a half years, uh, I was doing strength training very kind of aggressively and marathon training. Mm-hmm. And I had stepped up my marathon training to include speed work. Cause I was trying to go for a, a specific speed goal and uh, it was just way too much, um, from a athletic perspective. So I did hit some pretty decent burnout, um, that summer. And I started to question the diet and I was like, maybe I'm not getting enough protein, which is, you know, entirely a myth based on everything I'm, I'm gathering from a lot of different medical sources. Um, and then I let back on the training, you know, kind of took a, a month or two to regroup and, uh, yeah, everything's fine. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's like, sometimes it's important to stop and wonder like, how long has my foot been crushing the gas pedal and how many months have I been doing that? And have, has the car been in for some maintenance and an oil change? And have I given myself a little rest, right? Um, I'm guilty of that too. Oh for sure, God. For sure. Yeah. And you know, you can only peg it for so long. Yeah. Uh, there's that great book peak performance and they talk, um, stress plus rest equals growth. That's kind of the underlying concept. So it's like, and that's exactly how endurance or any training works is, you know, you go hard, you reach a little bit beyond what you're capable of, but then you rest. Recover. So it's like, you know, if we do a hundred pushups right now, the next 10 are going to be hard. But when right. I come back in a day or two, we're going to be stronger. So yeah. it's, it's actually in the rest where we get stronger. It took me five years to realize that, but mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's sometimes I think, been good to take those bumps and learn those lessons and uh be stronger for it so but yeah so plant-based i absolutely love it um it's it's uh now are you game changing you know you your kind of entree to the plant-based diet was just having someone do it for you yeah right and would you recommend that if someone's kind of thinking about going and, and were you kind of like cold turkey or were you like, I'm only going to eat meat, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, uh, I'm, there was a, there was a short period of, of my life where I, I did, um, weekday veg and it was like nothing with a face for right. Monday through thir- I did Monday through Thursday and then Friday I was counting as weekend sure. and then eat whatever you want. Did, and you just went, I'm just done with meat. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Um, most, and maybe you've gathered at this point, but most of these things, it was just, I throw a switch yeah, and I, I, mean, and I go, I, I jump the tracks getting, and I don't know what the heck it is. But yeah, cold turkey, you know, and I'll say in those first couple of years, like if, you know, someone had some weird, obscure meat product, like I would take a bite of it just to say that I tasted it. But now I would, I would not do that. Um, mainly cause I've started to shift towards more ethical, uh, it's still very much a health foundation, but mm-hmm. the ethical piece has become significantly more important to me. Um, and that wasn't when you started, it was just, no, it was strictly health early on. Um, but yeah. So, you know, going into it, um, uh, doing a hard cold Turkey switch is probably a lot for most people and probably not the most advisable approach. Uh, you know, making one, one thing I would say is like one meal, make plants sort of the main course. Um, my girlfriend used to joke that when we'd go to dinner with my family or go to a holiday dinner, it was meat with a side of meat you know, like steak with a side of kielbasa and like, you know, maybe there was some gray green beans alongside, but, um, and volume, right? Like, uh, one of those whole tubs of spinach is like 40 calories. Right. Like I literally, I'll take a whole plastic tub of spinach and steam it and eat the whole thing like for breakfast with oatmeal. Um, so the volume is really a learning experience. Like one of them little side dish salads, salads from outback like that just pisses me off like like i'm like give me give me six of those and uh then we'll start talking of course they put ranch dressing right (laughs) yeah so yeah for anybody and not even crossing over it's just like add more plants to the plate and let them take a a a bigger part of the show um as a transition um but it's certainly possible to cut over hard first week and a half two weeks maybe a little 
exciting but um yeah. just because you know you're so tied but taste bud has changed you know and, and i would have said there's no way in hell you'll be seeing me eating steamed broccoli you know if it was six seven years ago yeah i love steamed broccoli i love steamed spinach steamed spinach with balsamic and uh you know oatmeal like li- that's literally a breakfast for me mm. like i eat steamed spinach for breakfast like um and i feel great i, I eat like an old man it's shredded wheat grape nuts sun <laughs> bananas uh was a bunch of fruit oh i just freaking love it it's well you know there is um one of the one of the books i've been kind of tearing through or, or li- listening to actually is an audiobook is um that old um Anthony or Tony Robbins book awaken the giant within okay you i know? haven't read it but it's it's, it's good i think it's worth it's worth um it's worth a read. Like it's, I know it's when you, like when you think of self help, I think of Tony Robbins. Right. But like, but the more I've dug into, you know, listen to some interviews with him and and um, uh, Tim Ferriss and things like that, um, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, there's there's a there's a thing there. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be super super. Like there's some good tactics in there, and right. um, so I got I, I put it in the in the audible queue a while ago, and one of the things that I think was um, a good takeaway was this this mental exercise of he he talks about like mental conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, f- you said okay, I, I would never eat steamed broccoli, right? <laughs> right? But he says okay, well if you want to eat steamed broccoli uh, and you know that this is the thing that you sh- you should do mentally as you're eating steamed broccoli, even if you hate it, mentally go this is delicious, right. this is delicious, and and he's like eventually you're you rewire your brain yeah. and you're you know, taste buds, whatever, to, to find this thing as a source of pleasure, not pain. Right. Cause and you're creating a positive association. You're creating a positive association. That's yeah. it. And, and to do that with, you know, whatever, whatever that is, a task, a, a diet, whatever. And that's one of the things that will, over time, you will rewire your body to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I um, thought it was super interesting. No, for sure. And that, that extends to everything, right? Running. Like, right, is this right. the worst pain of my life or am I happy to be alive today and getting to run right. and not being shot at? And, you right, know, like right. there's a lot of things in the world um, and being out with amazing people. Um, you know, there, there's so many things to to add up to make for a happy life yeah. that are very small. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like we're sitting here and it's warm. That's, right. that's a very right. nice thing. <laughs> you know, so it's it, it's 100%. Um, you can absolutely, and even with people, right? Like, I hate him. Right. You like how how likely you're going to be to help somebody when it, all your head ever tells you is you hate them. Like mm-hmm. so, and and I've been through that personally with coworkers. It's like reframe. Yeah. How we look at things that are probably the better path. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a hundred percent great point. Um, keeping on the kind of personal development stuff because that's what I think you and I have jammed on uh, quite a bit. I'm two other areas I want to I want to hit on one being um this idea of maximizing minimums and, mm-hmm. and that 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 may be like a uh a rabbit hole but i think that's incredibly useful stuff but um maybe before that or or maybe these go hand in hand you can you can tell me um this idea of you know you said you went you went and got a mentor mm-hmm. right and can we talk a little bit about you know what you th- where how do you decide that you need you needed someone um how did you come to that decision where did you start to look for a mentor and what do you think it's done for you yeah and i appreciate you asking me this a few times prior to today because you've actually forced me to think about it or you know kicked me on thinking about it and so thinking back a little bit um running i got injured uh i kind of had some thought that maybe strength training and a little bit more not running so Mm -hmm. strength training flexibility whatever might help me be a little bit more of a durable runner and then i bought a bunch of freaking strength training books and i'm Mm -hmm. like damn it i don't want to read all these i'm gonna get someone to help me and so uh, i went to the local crossfit uh place here in utica or marcy the crossfit Mm -hmm. mohawk valley and went there and did a lot of strength training and you know i started to realize like these lifts and these movements, like these would maybe take me years to learn improperly. Like, right, right. You know, and like, then you have to course correct. And then, you know, yeah. maybe I've created this permanent practice and sure. I have to unlearn bad habits. So just in being coached and taught and, you know, like in working with them, they're like, you know, move your, the ball of your foot, you know, a half an inch to the right. And I'm like, holy crap, like that weight Changes feels yeah. 20% lighter. Um, so that was where I kind of realized the value of a coach and a mentor and someone who knows more than I did. And 
same approach with uh, the CrossFit as with when I finally got a mentor was I watched them online and uh, through any way that I possibly could as much as I could. So what's the message they're putting out? What are they kind of, you know, what vibe do they have? Is it, you know, sort of a, an ego type environment or is it like the follow me or I'll crush you type of mentor, mm-hmm. you know, cause mm-hmm. that, that, I'm not going to work well with that. And right. so, you know, I, I probably watched them for the better part of six months. Uh, who is this person? Uh, John Bartholomew. Oh, John. Okay. Mohawk, yeah. Like. Okay. So we're still in the, so yeah, this is okay. the, this is where I learned the power of a coach oh, okay. Got before it. Got choosing it. an actual coach. And, uh, yeah, but yeah, again, the approach was I watched them and I paid attention and I said, are they exhibiting things that, you know, I think are going to help me learn and not cause me stress and annoyance like I don't want to I'm not going to sign up and pay to work with someone that is going to be kind of like you know a taskmaster sure. and um so that that was like okay you know that was a good experience they they taught me strength they they built an amazing foundation for me in the short time that I was there it's probably 8 10 months and it's really helpful so I'm like okay cool what am I missing maybe on the mental side of things or on the dealing with life side of things so similar exact same approach um I watched or I met this guy, Tim Van Orden out of um, Vermont. He's, you know, plant-based. He's been down the road. He's about 15 years my senior, Um, you know, went to some talks with him and I was like, okay, this guy's kind of, you know, putting down what I want to pick up. Um, I really like his vibe. So, uh, but again, you know, I I took probably 40 hours of kind of Of watching free material. Yeah. Yeah, He's got a YouTube channel. So, like I'm just watching his videos and I'm like, okay, this is, this is cool. I'm going to connect with him and okay. see where this leads. So to your point of being sort of potentially skeptical of people, yes, absolutely. Especially, and not just from a money perspective, but like a time and potentially stress and trauma, sure. right? Like if someone's going to take me down a path that isn't my path or a path that I'm comfortable with, then that's a waste of everybody's time. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would definitely say like, be diligent in choosing a mentor or a coach, watch them test the waters. And it's not like the coach should be walking on eggshells, but like I'm continually testing my kind of mental, like, okay, are they still on the path I'm on? Are we, mm-hmm. st- are we still good? And, and it's okay if they're not, if we grow apart, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sharing those perspectives for that time is extremely valuable. So yeah, I worked with Tim for probably, four or five months. And then interestingly, he kind of graduated me (laughs) into into, friend. And so now, um, we're great friends. We've, we've done some projects together. We, we talk, you know, probably monthly or so. Um, you know, we put together a a kid's running cross country camp. Um, I'm helping him, uh, direct, he's doing the national snowshoe running championship Mm -hmm. in Vermont in the next month. So it's interesting how it's grown to be sort of a friendship. And it was Tim, a, was he, you know, a coach proper, right? Or was he, because you said, okay, I watched him online, went to some talks. Like, was this a, a service that he offered and said, I will mentor you? Yes. Or was it, okay, it was. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, yep, so he, he does that as a profession. And, you know, we had a lot of overlap and values. Uh, you know, he's plant-based, he's a runner. Sure. Um, so there was a lot of things to share there. And, and you actually make me think of another thing, uh, way back. So, you know, probably three, two, three years into being plant-based and a runner, I had heard some podcasts where it's like, get mentors, get mentors, get mentors. And like, immediately I'm like, okay, this guy's my mentor. This guy's my mentor. Yeah. And, and, and then I like, it didn't really work out that way. Sure. And it's the classic, uh, adage or quote of like, you know, when you're ready for the message, the mentor will appear or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of taken more of that approach and like, let's let people show up in my life or, you know, go out and make these bumps with people. Okay. So let, let's, I want to stop you there for a second. Cause this is another thing that I, I wanted to, to circle back on, but, um, uh, that idea of, okay. So you, you kind of identified Tim, right. And go get a mentor, go get a mentor. Um, do you have any tactics or stories around, um, you know, there's there's this idea that you're you're the you're the average of the five people that you hang out with, sure. right? And I, I believe this to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, did did your five uh, did that change from when you were you know partying and non plant based? Um, did that did that inner circle change? And then also, if it did, how 
practically did you go about attracting the people that you need to be around? Um, yeah, so the five people I spend my most time with certainly has changed. Um, the, the people I used to spend my most time with were best friends from elementary mm-hmm. school and still are best friends from elementary school. And I still see them, you know, maybe on a weekly or monthly basis and um, absolutely still love those relationships mm-hmm. and experiences. But as I started going to races and getting into the community that's, you know, a little bit more of um, the health and wellness focus, sure. it maybe wasn't about attracting, but just making those connections, you know, like bumping into people and just kind of going yourself, instead of going to the bar, right, go to the incubator for a right, workshop, right, 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 you know, um, yeah. you know, or go to a race or, yeah. you know, so it's you're going to bump and make those connections and who the heck knows it's where it goes. It's about just continued interaction. I think I'm starting to find, mm-hmm. um, and just talking to people and see what the hell you find and sharing perspective and whatever. So yeah, it's, it's, it's great um, to, but it's, you know, you can't freaking Instagram and Facebook, like right, <laughs> that's not right, going to work. Right. right? Like, right, right. and um, you got to get out in the field and, yeah, and actually put some time and, in. And you know, like we say so much with like body language and tone. And yeah. so it's just like, it's good to see humans in real life. Sure. And uh, you know, anybody be, can be a mentor. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be uh you know, a sage-like figure. Um, you know, I've, I've had people all around me from every different degree that have helped me. Um, you know, I think of it kind of more like a, a hub and spoke rather than a hierarchy. Mm, that's uh, a good way of thinking you know about what I'm it. Saying? Yeah. Like, um, this person is, is it, for this section of my life is kind of, yeah. I, I'm picking and choosing. Exactly. Like, what did, when, um, when you're working with Tim, can you talk a little bit about what that, um, session or what um you know what what that session or what that uh experience would be like is it is it a call is a meeting what do you talk is it is it very much like you would go to a therapist and you know what's on your mind what what do you need assistance with or was it more of a structured kind of programmatic approach to getting you to where you need to go yeah so it's a good question um right out of the gate i wanted structure i wanted measurables i wanted i was very like how am i going to know how i'm doing right and he's like, well, that's not exactly how I work. And when I first contacted him, I'm like, hey, Tim, I'm looking for somebody to potentially be like a co-pilot. Um, okay. I had talked to some coaches before where they're like very sort of, um, you know, again, taskmaster. Like if, if, if this happens, then we're going to have to have a serious discussion about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I don't want that. Yeah. But, and I know Tim and his, his vibe is gentle and compassionate. So I'm like, that'll work for me. And But going in, I was like, I want structure. I want measurables. Mm-hmm. I want impact deliverables yeah right? exactly yeah. and he's like well i don't really work that way he's like you know i'll i'll talk to you about what you're experiencing what you're seeing and maybe give you some different ideas as to to why and what you're seeing uh he spends a lot of time sort of in the the mindfulness the neuroscience sure. the the buddhism you know like he's, he's kind of the intersection of all things brain um self-study but they mm-hmm. spend a ton of time there so, yeah, it would just be like, you know, hey, what's going on? What have we been up to? And very, very free form, I guess, to answer your question directly. And, uh, you know, it might just be like, hey, you know, like I had this thing at home where I, I kind of got upset that this happened. And, you know, what am I seeing there? And he's like, well, you know, he would explain it. He's like, well, you know, you had an expectation that of this and that person had an expectation of that and your expectations weren't matched and I'm like holy crap that makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. you know and it's easy to get like mad and kind of like grab a hold of something and then just like shake it like a pit bull or whatever but when I just realized like okay it wasn't that that person was maliciously trying to cause me any issue it's just we had a mismatched expectation like they didn't value this thing that maybe was broken as much as I did or whatever and so uh So that's one example of, you know, maybe a talk we had and, you know, how to build awareness or, um, you know, one thing was like, and this comes out of the mindfulness world, but he he would kind of walk me through like, okay, you know, this week when things come up, um, maybe you get excited, anxiety, uh, nervous before a meeting, uh, burnt out and tired, Mm -hmm. just put a label on that. And again, this is a very... Just Try. recognizing what it is yeah. and letting it pass. Kind yeah. Of. yeah, just be like, okay, just stick a sticker, stick a bumper sticker to it and let it go. Like anger, let it go. And again, this is very much out of um, 
the mindfulness space, but to have that one-on-one discussion and present my specific instances and, uh, and then kind of be handed a tool to, to play with it. So, you know, there'd be like little sort of homework assignments like that, but nothing, there's no real curriculum. Could you, Uh, could you give me a couple other examples of maybe what a homework assignment might be? The labeling one, I remember Mm -hmm. definitely early on, uh, sometimes with running. Uh, so him having a running background, it's like, you know, okay, push a little bit, uh, safely push and, you know, in that pain, tell yourself it's going to be okay. You're not going to hurt yourself. Like say, I'm not going to hurt you. And actually like almost self talk and, you know, talk to yourself like a child, (laughs) you know, like be like, you're okay. I'm not going to hurt you. You know, this isn't all day, you know, this might change. Um, so it's just some tools like that as far as, um, how to, how to get to those experiences and, you know, realize what they are when they're there and realize they're not always like, it's not always going to last forever. I might be climbing a hill in a run. I'm going to be going downhill soon too. And that's going to be a totally different set of pain. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but so that, you know, the labeling and then the, the talking, you know, and it sounds crazy, right? But it's, it's like just telling you rather than saying like, this is the worst thing ever. I hate it. I hate it again. Back to your, the the positive associations. It's just like, you're okay. Just let that energy go. This is what you're experiencing now. Yeah. There'll be a a respite. We're growing. Yeah, exactly. So, but, um, again, just like the strength training with the, the local CrossFit place and Tim, I really feel like these were big, you know, I hesitate to say level up, but it, it took me to a place quickly that I think I would have struggled to get to on my own. And I think it's okay to struggle sometimes and, and fight a little bit, but I think also sometimes it's good to have that nudge and end the co-pilots, if you will. Let's talk about maximizing minimums now. I sure. think this is super useful to people. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, so one of the things I think that you, I don't know when you first told me this, but I said something, I think maybe you were going you're like, I got to go for, I got to get my run in today. I was like, Oh, what are you running? It's my two miles. <laughs> and so I've been running two miles a day every day. And, <laughs> and I, can you just kind of talk about that, that I'll call it a project or that ritual or whatever, like where did that start and, and why did you decide yeah. on two miles? Sure. So this is very much Tim inspired. And one thing I kind of missed in the Tim discussion was, and, and you hear this often is like embrace the process mm-hmm. and don't get overly attached to the end result. The end result sure, certainly could be a lighthouse, a, a thing we're driving towards. But if I get overly attached to that, again, the expectations, it may be a letdown or whatever. But if I just embrace that process, I may far exceed that goal um, in just embracing that process consistently on a daily basis. So this is very much introduced by Tim, um, and again, probably an age-old concept. Uh, but coming out of some athletic burnout in that summer, then I, I kind of bumped into Tim, and uh, he kind of introduced me to the concept of running every day, but slowing the hell down, uh, just take it easy. And it, it's you know it's it's important to remember that it's not just about checking two miles off the list, but it's about all the benefits that come from the process of running. Um, whether that's just movement or the psychological kind of stress reduction, um, there, there's so much that comes out of it that it's just kind of embracing that daily consistency and building that habit and learning how to build a habit and letting anything build that habit. So, um, yeah, you know, the, the idea kind of conveyed by Tim was just like, Hey, you know, if you can do two, do two, get it done. Um, you know, if you, if you get to two and you want to take a turn, you know, around a different block away from your house, you know, either go home or keep running, keep running. And if you get to another turn, you know, kind of the Forrest Gump thing, sure, you know, sure. I, I, just I just kept, kept running. running. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I, my girlfriend kind of jokes when I go out for a run, she's like, cause early on she'd be like, how far are you going? And I'm like, uh, you know, two to eight. I don't know. Right. You know, right. if I get to two and it feels like crap, I'm going to go home and I'm going to kind of be happy with, but the you were going to get two. Yeah. No matter yeah. what. Um, and so, you know, some days it's four, five, six, seven, eight. And yeah, so prior to that, I had been kind of trying to maximize maximums. And an example of that was how fast can I get my marathon? Mm-hmm. Now, again, I'd been running marathons for whatever. Five years. Four years, yeah. five years. Um, but maximizing a marathon is something that people do over like 15 years, you know, right. 20 right. years. Or it's like super elite people that 
you know, have potentially been running since school and, you know, have the, all this development under their belt, but it wasn't really serving me. You know, I had hit some burnout, I had hit some injury and it was like, what's the longevity and sustainability of this practice of maximizing the maximum, you know, on my best day, I can do the maximum. But every day is not going to be my best day. Right. There's going to be days that are average and there's going to be days that completely suck. Yep. And so am I going to lose that maximizing maximum on those average and low days? So the idea of the two miles is like, even on my hardest day, I should be able to do two miles by foot. Um, even if it's a walk, run, shuffle, whatever. Yeah. So at this point, I mean, it's, um, you know, 540 days consistent running which in the grand scheme of running streaks is not very long. Uh, there's people with 10 years, 15 years. It just seems like a lot. 500 of anything yeah. is a lot. And like for me, it's a big deal because, you know, I, I think back to telling my roommate that I've been sitting at my computer desk for two weeks yeah. and my feet are numb, yeah. you know? So it, it's all kind of relative to the person and what it is. You know, th there's one guy I'm competing against and it's that guy that used to drink and eat chicken right. wings. Like I, it, I can't compare myself to others because there's always going to be people on other sides of me so yeah so just embracing that consistency and um then I was like okay you know I'm kind of a little bit of a twiggy runner let's let's start about strength training again and can I do 10 push-ups a day and so you know I did that consistently for about two months mm -hmm. and I noticed a change in my running like my core tightened up um you know I felt a little better on trails a little less back pain things like that but 10, 10 push-ups a day. Like, There's nothing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, can you do 10 push-ups a day? Absolutely. Uh, now that's kind of taken the form of uh, 10 pull-ups a day. If it doesn't feel good, I just do five. Mm -hmm. um, but just trying to do pull-ups every day and still running. Which doesn't um, take any time at all. Yeah, you know? exactly. And sneaking them in. Um, you know, maybe I'm on a conference call and I see how many squats I can do in a conference call. You know, like yeah. it, it doesn't always have to be like this okay, I'm going to go pound the crap out of myself for an hour and then potentially do different things for the, <laughs> the other. So that idea of maximizing the minimums, just, just the consistency is really what yeah. gets you to level up over time. And, and it's, it's like compounding interest, like with a mm. 401k yeah. or something, right? Yeah. Like, like reading a book, that's going to help you in a compounding kind of exponential right. manner. And running, I've seen the same thing. My, my mileage has dropped, but, uh, you know, and I'm not doing speed work. I'm still at near PRs, personal records, or getting them. Um, Pretty consistently. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's just that, that practice. So after doing the running for a little while and the push-ups, I'm like, okay, what else can I apply this to? Can I apply it to nutrition? Like on a hard day when I wake up late and I got 100 meetings, can I make something that's in alignment with the food I want to eat? Like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich doesn't take very long. Right. Uh, applesauce and chia seeds, like that's faster than McDonald's. Like you right, can eat right. applesauce out of the applesauce container. Right. Um, and, it's, right. and it's in alignment with how I want to eat. So even on those days, like maximizing that minimum, I'm still totally aligned with the habit. You're that still I'm moving forward. You're yeah, still making progress yeah. even if it's a crap day. Yeah. Right? yeah. So designing that in, in over time, you know, over 500 and whatever runs, like I've likely built better than just having like super high intensity mm -hmm. training where maybe I burn out and drop and, and lose that momentum. You, you awesome. showed me a tool that you used to for the, the <laughs> meal thing, and I thought that was really interesting. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's um, it's a spreadsheet, uh, and it essentially allows you to, I, I think you labeled it pretty well as a decision tree. So it's, um, if I'm having a challenging day, what are the things I can have on that challenging day? Ideally, I make this plan when I'm having a good day. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so right. that I'm, I'm creating a strategy that mm -hmm. is of a good mind. Um, not stressed out because when we're stressed out, we make stressed out decisions. Um, but if I'm in a decent state, then I can make a decent plan. And so, you know, I had a, a free Saturday and I, I was like, okay, how do I make this plan or how do I, how do I make this table? So it's like, okay, on a hard day, I can do something easy. And what are the things that I can do easy? So then I said, breakfast, lunch, dinner, what, what does a hard day look like for breakfast? Uh, you know, I have some oatmeal or a banana or some clementines, you know, what is quick, what is going to kind of, um, match with the stress of that hard day. And then on a normal day, it's like, okay, maybe I can commit a little bit more time, 15, 20 minutes to preparing a meal or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then on an easy day, maybe I can make like a 
big casserole or a big dish or a slow cooker or something like that that I can use throughout the week um, or use for the next five, six days. And so I just went through and filled those boxes and just said, okay, this is what I'm going to, this is roughly the course I'm going to chart for when these days happen. Where it extended a little past the decision tree was in the tracking component. So it's like, I, I kind of need to write things down, whether it's a notebook or a Google doc or, um, you know, Runkeeper or Strava or, you know, fitness tracking apps like that. So it's just like, how do I, you know, on a, on an easy day or on a hard day, I can run two miles mm-hmm. on an easy day. I can run eight Six to 10, eight, 10. Yeah, yeah sure. whatever. Um, and it's just like, how am I going to track that? I'm going to track it in Strava or I'm going to track it in my strength training notebook or I'm going to track it, you know, on a Google doc or whatever, just because I like to see those consistent days add up. So it's, do you go back and look at your data a little bit? Yeah. Um, from a historical purpose, I don't, I'm not good with keeping numbers in my head, so I would have no idea how much I've run at this point. So it's nice to have that historical record. Um, Yeah. So, uh, and, and even like, so on the strength training chart, uh, I have a a test uh, row that is like, okay, how do I test my pull-ups just to see maybe if there is improvement. So it's just how many pull-ups can I do in five minutes? But um, or, you know, even in the, the strength training or the fitness piece, it's, um, there's a stretching, uh, column. Okay. And so the test is, I don't have injuries. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you right, know, so right. something simple like that. Right. Um, and again, this could extend to like meditation, right? Uh, on a rough day, I can do a three minute meditation. Um, on an easy day, maybe I do a 20 minute meditation. And what's the test on that? I'm not flipping out in traffic or yelling at my coworkers, right, you know, right, like, right. um, and if that's, if that's a problem I had, I would probably track it in a sheet and just be like, how was today? One to one to mm-hmm. five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, did I feel agitated? Uh, so yeah, it's a pretty cool tool and, you know, maximizing minimums makes it sound like you're potentially trying to shy away from the maximum, which isn't the case. Right, right. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be afraid of the maximum. It's actually allowing me to better conquer the maximum, I think. Um, so, you know, I'm using this method of running to train for 50K, uh, but without a big kind of crazy training schedule. Interesting. So it's been a fun tool to play with. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I put the nutrition one right on my fridge. Um, so it's just like, I'm stressed out. I don't know what to do. Do this. Yeah, and th- that's the thing. The decision is made for you. It's not like, it's not, I'm having a hard day. Make an easy meal. It's like, no, make this. Yeah. Right? You, yep. you, you don't have to think about yeah. it. Yeah, and I'll deviate from it, right? But it's, it's, um, it's, it's there mm-hmm. as the plan so that when my brain doesn't panic, when it doesn't know what to do and yeah. uh, grab you a bag of chips or something. stay in line with what you, yeah. with your goal. Yeah. Very cool. So what's, ne- what's next for you? What are you working on? I know you're working on the, the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, what, what else? For, I guess, what are you working on and, and where can people find you? Jeez, I don't know. Um, so you, you make me reflect a little bit on why I publish things to the internet. And uh, I, I had this idea the other day. It's not for anything to go viral, which is right, counter right. to the internet. Right. It's for when I bump into people. I've created a bookshelf of things that may be useful as a perspective to share. So totally. I have close to like zero hits on my blog. Yeah. <laughs> but if somebody... But it's an archive. Of, yeah. yeah. And if somebody says like, hey, I'm dealing with this thing running, um, I'm like, hey, maybe this would yeah. be a perspective that, you know, would be would useful at, yeah. at the moment. And uh, and then they share their perspective and we all win. So yeah, rickglue.com is, uh, there's a handful of random writings up G-L-O-O. there. G-L-O-O. Yes. G-L-O-O.com. And then, uh, yeah, the podcast (laughs) so i'm uh i'm interviewing people um similar to this Uh, it's it's amazing how the the accessibility of technology has made us all radio tv and (laughs) media companies excuse to have really interesting conversations with interesting people yeah when would we otherwise sit down for for an hour and a half yeah we have but i mean it's not yeah yeah, it it, it gives you an opportunity to really dig yeah yeah and and just a little background on the the podcast um an original motivator was uh, my grandfather passed away before I was born and way before I was born. And uh, he, he was he was a piano player and piano is kind of big in my family, although I've it's still on the to do list. Sure. And so someone made a, a recording of him probably in the 60s. And as far as I understand, it was a wire recording. I don't know what that is, but hmm. uh, they converted my cousin then converted the wire recording to vinyl. Wow. He was a piano player. So you know, whatever in the late 2000s, 2010, whatever, I found the vinyl in my house 
and I put it on the record player. I'm like, I'm like, Dad, what the heck is this? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Well, that's your grandfather playing piano. And I'm like, That's freaking amazing um, to have this audio travel yeah, through almost through space and time. fifty years yeah. of existence. And so then I digitized it, and I'm like, Man, like, you know, I, I never met this guy. I've got a few pictures of him, but this this audio is kind of so amazing and meaningful to me. And you know, I go back every few months and listen to a couple of the sure. tracks, and uh, it's he's a good piano player. And so that's kind of a motivation for the podcasting. And, and it's that I want to just grab snapshots of people's existence. And, uh, you know, I, I have old chat messages of friends who've passed away. And it's, right. it's just mundane bullshit. But it's like, it means so much to me. No, like, I, I have that too. In, in, the, in the house, I've got a, a, in the file cabinet, it's, it's basically almost every um, postcard and paper letter I've gotten from important <laughs> people, yeah. you know, um, over 20 years right. you know, and, and yeah uh, it's it's just nice to kind of have and uh so that that's kind of what drove the podcast and just cool. capturing some stories and having little time capsules of uh people i've bumped into that are awesome and uh you know doing interesting yeah. things so it's all good all right man well thanks a lot for taking the time i appreciate it this Absolutely. was a lot of fun man yeah all right cool that's rick I want to thank Rick for being on the show and thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing and if you've stuck with me so far, uh, hopefully that is the case. I hope you hit that subscribe button in uh, whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast. Uh, please consider leaving a review on the uh, on the Apple Podcasts app or wherever you're listening to these podcasts. And uh, hey, criticism, feedback, that's all welcome. Feel free to email hello at rustbeltstartup.com. And the other thing I want to mention is um, that after this episode, uh, if you want to sign up for the email newsletter, which I only send out approximately once per month, um, we're going to include some additional goodies uh, that didn't make the podcast. So either extended cuts or in this case, Rick has provided me with a meal planning worksheet that I think is really good if you want to stop thinking about what are you going to make for lunch and dinner every week. And uh, if you want to integrate some more helpful choices into your life, you can use this worksheet that we kind of talked about on the podcast to make that happen. So if you sign up for the email, we'll get you the latest uh, newsletter and inside will be that downloadable worksheet. So thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll be back in about two weeks with another episode of Rust Belt Startup.